All right, sports fans, welcome to another episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. All right, I might have been a little bit wrong about Connecticut. I might have been a little bit wrong. Brian, and- <laughs> welcome back to another episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans, brought to you by Black Rosie Media. I am Erica L. Ayala, the founder and CEO of Black Rosie Media, hanging out with Brian Florentin once again. And Brian, listen, 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 Brian, listen. We had Misha on. We oh, previewed. Boy. We previewed both semifinals, and I, I was feeling good. I said, listen, we have the the regular season sweep of Connecticut. I'm feeling good. I think it could go four, but if there's any series that we get a sweep, it's going to be CT New York. Well, I guess my prediction is still intact. It's just that I didn't think it was going to be Connecticut to punch First, you were at that game at Barclays, Brian. What were your main takeaways from this this win for Connecticut? They get a 78-63 win in game one of the semifinals. Well, the first thought I had was that I felt like we're going to wind up on those hashtag disrespect montages again. I feel like the Sun social media team is like scouring the internet for any reaction possible. And it's like, oh, wait, you guys doubted us? You made the list. So all of us made it this time around. But onto the game itself, I thought Connecticut really grabbed the game after halftime. Because we've seen so many times throughout the year when the Liberty go on a run, going into a break, they just pull away. That was that was partially what they did against the Mystics in game one. Once they got that lead for good, they, they kept Washington in the vice grip. But after halftime, Connecticut was really fantastic. They cleaned up, they dominated the offensive glass, I should say. I think once they cleaned up, that's too, that's too light. They dominated New York on the offensive glass. They kept them out the paint, most importantly. And they were able to really limit the effectiveness of the team throughout the board. Um, JJ only had four shot attempts in the second half. That was partially a result of them clocking the paint. Nelson Adota, she didn't have big numbers, but she was very, very solid coming off the bench, just really giving giving enough problems and frustration for JJ. Stewie couldn't get to the rim either. She took 18 shots after halftime, and I want to say very few of them were in the painted area. So it's heavy jumpers on the Tough jumpers under heavy coverage, not really getting in, in the flow that the Liberty usually are in. And when, when that happens, you're just playing into the opponent's hands, especially if the shot isn't there. So I think for Connecticut, they executed the game plan to perfection. They got timely three-pointers. Beck Allen was awesome to start. We'll get to her in a little bit. Dewana Bonner picked it up after halftime. And there were a few momentum plays where it looked like the Liberty were going to get back into it, but Dewana Bonner made big baskets timely plays and just things like that when you're able to really keep the crowd out of it like Connecticut was they were really able to to control the flow of the game after halftime they didn't let the Liberty really get that big rhythm and there were some really awesome highlight plays the Heidemann block really shocked me because I was watching uh, I was impressed I was like oh wait a minute how did she get that and I think the camera should even she was shocked that she got it so it's like, well, when listen, it's- listen, you got to give credit to her having ups. 
But I'll tell you, outside of giving credit to Heidemann, the first thing that popped into my mind after that is use two hands. There's no need. There's no need to not use two. She wasn't slamming it down. Come on, Stewie. This is fundamentals. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what happens. A, a, a spry, you know, a scrappy guard is going to get up on you. And if she had had both hands on that, even just but right before she released it, what happens? That's a foul. It's not a block. Mm -hmm. It's a foul. Not the rest. Yep. It's just one of those things. And also, there was one shot where she she shot it and it got stuck in the room. And I looked over to my friend Lucas. I'm like, yep, it's that kind of day. And it very much was that kind of day. So it's, right. like, it's just one of those, like, and also, you ever have those days where it's like you're at work and it's like, you're there, but it's like you're not really there, and you can't really explain yes. why you're not there. Because it, it yes. felt very like it's like my body's here, my mind is like trying to do the thing I want I want to do right now, but it's not happening. So and it's just one of those like unexplainable things you can't really just sort of pinpoint like why Correct. my is so like crappy today. And I think yeah. after. They all were like, we really stunk it up. Sandy called it their worst game of the season, which I would agree with. I mean, yeah, it's uh, akin to for folks who can uh, empathize, like a, a a period haze where you just <laughs> your life you can't get your life together, and it's like you know why, but you don't like you don't really know why, but you know why, you know, mm -hmm. and so it's just like. It was it was really unfortunate. I was I'm out here in Seattle. I'm looking actually at Sue Bird's um, retirement banner right here at Climate Pledge Ooh. Arena. So I was covering the Seattle Kraken while watching this game. And you and I, we talked about this. I said, listen, I'm in and out of this game before I got to watch it back. And it just seemed like the New York Liberty just, you know, it was like that. Luther Vandross, Jerry Curl. It just didn't quite curl. <laughs> like, it didn't quite curl. And so that happened. And then it was, you know, the homie, Brandon Glasheen, he, right before the game, he put out something on social media. And he said, listen, I know what the regular season matchup, I know what the regular season record is, but this is what Connecticut needs to do. They need to play the best defense that they've played all season. And dang, if that's not exactly what they did on a mm -hmm. night when the New York Liberty had, again, a, a hazy offense and just kind of mood and momentum at best. So you got to give, as we would say in hockey, stick taps to the Connecticut Sun. And of course, you know, I love when we can do this, bring out the analytics, but you talk mm -hmm. about momentum swing. I mean, baby, where's the sea foam? Where's the sea foam? There is no sea foam on this chart, brother. They ain't got no sea foam in the chart. It's all Connecticut. And you know what? I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at myself. Hold on. Let me come on camera because you know I be, you know how I be coming at Tarika Foster Brasby because I know she can take it. But listen, I gotta eat crow, man. I gotta eat crow because I I I, and I never thought I would be this person. And so I'm mad at myself because I always have been about Connecticut. You have to respect Connecticut. You have to. They are the only team. And I feel like we mentioned this a few podcasts ago. Of all the teams, the Aces are starting to catch up. But as far as top three teams, the Connecticut Sun have been a top three team for the last five years. 
right mm-hmm. on the cusp. The New York Liberty, new kids on the block, at least this this new New York Liberty squad, right? The Las mm-hmm. Vegas Aces obviously coming in as the reigning uh, champions, defending their title from last season, and have been very great, but not for that whole five-year span. Who's been there? It's been the Connecticut Sun. And I've put so much respect on them, but I don't know. I was liking how the Liberty was playing. And I and you know what? I got caught up. I got caught up. And that's on me. That's on me, fam. That's on me. I feel like the ghost of Kurt Miller captured us for a little bit. and <laughs> The ghost of, yeah, right? Because he was like, oh, you're going you're gonna to imitate my voice? All right, I got some for you. I was like, dang. So that's on me, fam. That's on me. I mean, jokes aside, this was a great game by the Connecticut Sun. And you know what? I regretted also after listening back that we didn't spend enough time we didn't spend enough time talking about Dewana Bonner, who you alluded to it, but she dropped a 20-piece. I mean, Dewana Bonner has been putting up crazy numbers. She is one of three players to have 1,000 points and 500, is it rebounds, in, a play, in the playoffs. In the playoffs. Um, with Candace Parker and um, why am I for blanking on the other name right now? It was, of course, one of the greatest two-way players of all time, Tamika Catchings. Apologies for the faux pas. Listen, Dewana Bonner, as someone put on social media, might have been Tarika. She's not new. She's true. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I think it was Holly Rowe was on on that uh, sideline. But she said something about, you know, they're always talking about how she had twins and all that stuff. But they talked about just her fitness, and she used her weight as an example, saying that she's never gone plus or minus two pounds in her career. I'm like, fam, like that's impressive just on a day-to-day basis. Like, I'm out here. I need to know what her – I need to know the Dewana Bonner weight loss plan because, like, I need some of that. Um, she's got that good metabolism. But jokes aside, her consistency. And what do we know about Dewana Bonner when she came to Connecticut – If we're being honest, there were questions, right? There were questions whether she could be that go-to player on a contending team. I think Dewana Bonner is tired of us disrespecting her. So I think she's like, no, we coming after this. Because Connecticut, again, has been right there. Excuse me. Has been right there. And Dewana Bonner, if it's up to her, she's like, no Bree Jones, no problem. New head coach, no problem. And if anything... You also saw that Stephanie White, and we talked about this a little bit, I thought she was definitely top three for coach of the year. I leaned a little more into LT, but I completely understand why. Um, I completely understand why she won it because we talked about this in our last two episodes, right, Brian? The decisions that you make as a coach, the buttons that you press as a coach in the middle of a game, can sway momentum back to your team, whether you're getting into the referee's ear, whether you're sometimes getting into one of your player's ear, or whether you're hyping them up. I mean, there's all these different things that you can do in addition to the play calling and setting your team up for success in-game and then, of course, prior to. And it just seems like, you know, Stephanie had her team ready to go, locked and loaded. And I'm not trying to say that um, I'm not trying to say that Sandy Brondello didn't. She's a veteran. However, it just seemed as though that edge that we saw from New York for the first two games of the Washington series 
it, it, I don't know. I don't know that maybe they needed, you know, some more, um, locker room material, but they just were a little bit flat and Connecticut took advantage. Yeah. Something Sandy mentioned was that it felt like once the initial action wasn't there, it's like everything sort of like went haywire to a, to a certain degree. So it's like usually when the Liberty are at their best, the ball is moving side to side. Everyone's getting fed. There's touches. Every good paint to great every time. Good shots to great shots every single time. But throughout the second half, it was very much uh, you make the initial pass, the shots going up. There wasn't enough movement. There wasn't enough downhill pressure. I think a lot of that was due to Connecticut's defense, but also as JJ mentioned, they because Jackie Jackie Powell asked her about it, they the Liberty were like half a second off in a sense. Whereas like usually they're right on it, but they're like they're like off by a beat. And then against a team that's really good like Connecticut, you can't afford to have that happen. So whenever if you're if you're if you're behind already and you're not all the way in sync, that's gonna be enough to really get you down and not get you back up. And I think for New York, it's just a matter of I think first, firstly, cleaning the glass because twelve offensive rebounds and zero fast break points for your for for, for you as a team is shocking. That I can't remember the last time they had zero fast break points in the game. And that's brutal. Yeah, that's something they're gonna need to clean up. And it, it's something we've talked about, I think, in the pod a few times. But when they win the glass, they win games. Like they, I think every you game, already know. Yeah, every game they've won after half, they've dominated the glass. And I think there was like one game they won where they lost a rebounding battle, but otherwise, they they've been the best. They've been the second best rebounding team in the league after break. They've been dominant on the glass, and they really weren't able to do that. And I think especially when when you allow those offensive those offensive rebounds in those second and third possessions, like you just drain your energy. Like you're having to defend for like a good 40, 50 seconds straight, and then eventually yeah. there's going to be a gap that comes open that that you're not going to be able to plug in time. And every single time you allow those extra rebounds, those I think they had like six first quarter turnovers and that 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 helped Beck Allen get off in particular like you gotta I think if they clean up the the little things they'll be able to to, to hit the big things along the way so I think it's just a and that's of- what it is yeah I mean you hit on it excuse me but you know that's what the playoffs is though right and so it's a little disappointing that in in some ways the New York Liberty didn't step up to task, especially as much as they talked to us in that first series, Brian, about wanting to protect home court. And they didn't do it. Now, we'll get into some maybe changes that need to be made. Is that, that, you know, game, uh, you know, kind of game scheming, game planning, um, scouting? Is it just mentality? We're going to get into that. But since I'm at a hockey rink, or at least right now it's a hockey rink. Sometimes the Seattle Storm play here. But um, we keep talking. I feel like it's been a, a, a through line here for us at Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media. And it's this idea of revenge games. Now, I did mention... I mentioned revenge game talking about John Quill Jones because I do still think she has to be a factor in this series. But again, we'll get back to that coming up. But listen, I remember covering Rebecca Allen when people called her Rebecca and not no Beck. We ain't we ain't cut it short, okay? And Rebecca Allen, Madison Square Garden, because yes, I don't know if you know this fam, but I have covered uh, the New York Liberty for a number of years as a beat reporter. And yes, I have covered teams in locker rooms 
just in case y'all needed a reminder. Ooh, but anyway, if anybody has any doubt. <laughs> I mean, I'm just letting folks know just because, you know, sometimes you got to let the girl know uh, Sidra style. So anyway, um, I remember chatting to her. You know, young whippersnapper, not really getting a, a lot of time under Bill and Beer. And to see and to remember conversations that I had with Alan then and to see what she's doing now, nobody should be surprised. I remember Jonathan Kolb saying that letting go and moving on from Rebecca Allen was a tough decision for the New York Liberty. That That's one that cuts, cuts deep. Because I think the potential has always been there. The roster and the roster construction has not always been kind to Rebecca Allen in New York. But seeing what Stephanie White has been able to do with her over the, over the regular season and how much Connecticut trusted Beck Allen to just find and take her shot, like you said, it really helped Connecticut when we saw that game flow chart early on and then gave um, some open space right in how the New York Liberty had to respect Allen to then give Dewana Bonner perhaps a little bit more openings. And that's not what we saw the Liberty able to do. But again, we're going to get into that, but I want to, I want you to, you know, talk about what you, cause you were at the game. You got to see this live and in living color and I'm hella jealous. Cause I'm a, I'm a bet. I'm a Beck Allen stand. I'm gonna let y'all know. Like I've been putting on for Beck Allen for a minute, but she had 18 points, two block shots, Two steals, seven rebounds overall, six of those defensive rebounds, okay? So, uh, like you said, just the New York Liberty not getting second-chance opportunities. Beck Allen to the tune of six defensive rebounds. How important did you see her being for this Connecticut Sun team? And what are some things that the New York Liberty now are going to have to keep in mind for game two? So one thing I saw a friend of mine, Steve Jones Jr., joke about on the timeline was that when Beck Allen came in in the Matrix get up, it was like, oh, it's, it's, it's about to be on for real. And that that was the first thing. And then there was one play in the first quarter where she got the steal from Stewie at half court, pulled it from three, and it went in. I looked, I looked, I looked at the row, and I'm like, oh, it's about to be that type of day. And it was. And she was awesome. She um she got the first quarter interview like during 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 the TV timeout, which I think might have been the first time she's had that this year. And they asked her how she's guarding Stewie. She she had to probably say, "I'm guarding Sabrina," just to let you know. So she was really dialed in in a really fantastic way. And I think Allen's length in particular has always given the Liberty trouble as an opponent. In the, I have to go back and look at the stats, but I think in the third game New York won in the regular season, the, the, the comeback game, I think Beck was in foul trouble in that contest from, from what I remember. So she really wasn't able to have a big impact in that night. The fourth game, she definitely was in foul trouble too. So I think having her on the court gives Stephanie White so many versatile options to work with. And you have a player who's so rangy and athletic, who knows the players well because she played with them. So, hey, these are your friends. So you know you, you know their you know their moves, you know their ins and outs and you know you know sort of like their go-tos so that helped that helps out in a, in a big way and i think also the big thing we've always talked about for, with the sun for years is that can they make enough threes to, to survive and if they can make enough threes this is going to be a team that is dangerous to work with and i think having if if beck is 
I wouldn't count on Beck going six for eight from three again. I'd be stunned if she did. But if she can be something close to that while also giving you that maximum effort on defense in that full range, just sort of like throw a wrench into everything the Liberty's doing, that's going to be a valuable player. And I think also just having <laughs> – yeah, just having a just having another just having another set of long arms to bother John Quell in the paint is gonna be helpful. So I think for Beck in game two, just keeping up what she did, just chasing Sabrina off the line, making her shoot in traffic in the painted area and sort of like leaning forcing her into the bigs, sort of sort of forcing her into tough floaters. If she's able to keep doing that, then I think the Sun have a great chance to grab to grab another one in Brooklyn. Listen, Beck Allen showed up all black, everything, stun of shades, lights out shooting. Not only was she telling New York Liberty, yeah, this is my revenge game, but she said to Sandy Brundello, I'm going to Paris. Period. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Paris. Merci beaucoup. Ho, ho. I'm yes. going. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I mean, selfishly, of course, you know, I have a rooted, vested interest in the New York Liberty, but I love it. I love seeing her shine. It was fantastic. Now let's get into these changes or things that have to change for the New York Liberty because a person that we've been talking about day in, day out that I call the anchor. I'm here getting ready to watch the Seattle Kraken. Matter of fact, got my anchor earrings on. The uh -huh. anchor. For the New York Liberty, three points in 31 minutes for Benaja Laney. What did you see that the Sun was able to do? Yeah, she made her first shot in the post, like the first points of the game. But then after that, nothing across the board. And I think what she had, she had a Bonner is a tough matchup because Bonner is so long. And there were a couple plays where B went under on screens and Bonner made a pay for it. There was one three in the corner where she tried to shoot the gap but Bonner flared out to the corner and got a three that way. And I think also, um, I think it's a matter of the team helping her out too with that matchup. Stephanie Dolson said as much in post game. So I think for the Liberty, giving Laney a little bit more support in the defensive end to help with Bonner, maybe, maybe switching the matchup to Stewart guarding Bonner more because they did have success when Bonner and AT would run pick and rolls. The Liberty would switch it with Stewie and JJ and you have, that maximum combination of length and athleticism to bother both of them. So I wonder if they lean back into that. Um, in the first series, Sandy made the adjustment of putting of, of JJ on Deladon and that threw a wrench in Washington's plans. So I wonder if the Liberty think of an adjustment in that similar vein to see if they can gum up Connecticut's plans as well. But I think just, just that, Probably a little bit more Kayla Thornton. She was fantastic. She made a couple really good three pointers, and she had she has enough size to really bother the sun and make it a factor in that way. So I wonder if we see a little bit more of her too. But I think ultimately the big thing for the group is cleaning up the glass. Like, like you gotta like this is like hey, we. We 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 call we call the Liberty Mystic series like a bar fight in a sense where it's like you gotta like get in there and brawl like. Connecticut, you got it. Mm -mm. Like it's it's bad. It's gonna be bad weather again tomorrow. So put on your ugly pair of boots. Come <laughs> in That's hang. it. That's it's it. It's gonna be. It's, it's gonna be a straight up, straight up nuck if you book. Like people was yeah. talking about on social that this is gonna be oh the series where everybody's complaining. And obviously JJ said what she said after the game. But we know this is camera. gonna be a physical. <laughs> hey, we know this is gonna be a physical game. Period. 
uh, like you said, paint clogged. We did talk about perimeter shooting and we were what, what we were talking about it in if Connecticut had enough firepower. But maybe what we should have been asking is if New York can use that offense and go there first and then come back to the perimeter. That's where. So other changes, I love that you mentioned KT, so more of T and less of B for those who, uh, uh, you know, are of the faith, you might recognize that little remix. But um, <laughs> but I think also you got to get Vandersloot involved. I want to see her slashing, cutting to the basket. And this is where, um, and, and we talked about this after the Mystic series, you know, I've been kind of eyeing um, that backcourt combo and of Vandersloot and Ionescu, but then also throwing in that sometimes, as Sabrina mentioned herself, that they can have Stewie bring the ball up. Whatever you do, having Sabrina off the ball, if it's going to be a game where they have to have perimeter shooting, you need to get Ionescu going. And I think you need to also see if you can get more productivity off the bench from Marine Johannes. She played 13, almost 14 minutes, two points, you know, one for four. But the Liberty overall, the shooting just wasn't there. I mean, you know, field goal percentage as a team, 33%. Listen, the Connecticut Sun, are they going to be above like a 50% clip? Like usually, no, they're at 44.9. But the Liberty can shoot better than a 33.8% clip. Thinking about three-point percentage, they also got out shot from the arc. 29.6% clip for the Liberty versus 333, 33.3 on the nose for the Sun. Second chance points were there for the New York Liberty. They got beat for points in the paint, 34-22. Um, you know, and like you said, fast break points, a goose egg. That's what, what have we been talking about? What have the Liberty been talking about when the ball gets stuck, right? They don't want the ball to get stuck because this is a Connecticut team that generally speaking, especially under Kurt Miller, what do they want to do? They want to like control pace. And a lot of that time it's setting up their offense in the half court, but they can also run. I mean, Beck Allen, she's not like a speed demon, but she, she's, you know, she's got a nice giddy up. Okay. Cause she's long. Mm -hmm. um, then you have Heidemann there, you know? So, I mean, there's so many Bonner can get up and down. We already know once AT starts, like it's going to be hard to stop her. You know what I'm saying? So there's so many different elements that again are just refined and probably under the radar under Stephanie White. And now these are things that the New York Liberty, maybe they had the advantage in the regular season, but with the lapses that they showed in addition to Connecticut locking in for the playoffs, these are some things that have to change. But I mean, you know, I, I think I like what you're saying about Thornton. Maybe Thornton does give us a little bit more just so, um, you know, you can have Benajelani maybe focus more defensively, but you need someone if it's not going to be, if it's not going to be B, if you're not going to get more from Sloot, then you have to have maybe Kayla, Marine go off. I know that we can also get some mid-range uh, shooting from Stephanie Dolson. Not my personal favorite thing, having, you know, post players shoot from mid-range to the perimeter. But again, anything in service of pulling the defense out. And so maybe we do need to see John Quell. Maybe we do need to see Steph Dolson shoot 
even early on from yeah. mid-range to perimeter, just to keep the defense honest and not have them, if we're talking soccer, go full Sweden and park the bus in the paint. <laughs> yeah, one thing that Sandy mentioned, and I love that you're saying too, is that they got to keep moving more. Like Sandy mentioned, they weren't like cutting enough. There wasn't enough off-ball movement. It was very much, we're, we're going to try to get it into the post, and if it's not, we're stuck, and then now the shot clock is running out. And there were so many possessions where they didn't really get started to like 12 seconds left in the clock. It's like taking so long, especially in the half court, to get set up in offense. Like you really want to get the, like, yes, yeah. The, I think when the Liberty play their best is it's when they're playing at a really quick tempo where the ball is moving all over the court and really pushing the issue that way. They can excel in the half court, but when they're able to play with a little bit more pace and the ball's moving around more, it, it gives their offensive stars more room to shine, more opportunities to sort of get to their spots and do what they do and really keep the defense on edge. So I think for I think for game two, just like moving with a little bit more purpose, cutting more, trying to like keep them keeping the glass clean on the other end so you can get out in transition, get those highlight plays that get the crowd locked and going and ready to go. So I think if they're able to do that, that will help a great deal. And I think on the other end, just continuing to use their length to bother AT, I thought they did a good job of it, making everything as tough for her in the painted area as possible. So I think if they're able to do that, if they're able to like keep JJ from getting into foul trouble, she she had four and she was annoyed by some of the calls that she didn't get. And she might have got a fine from Kathy Engelbert for staring directly in the ESPN camera, but I imagine... It, it's it's worth it if it gets the job done eventually. So I think just keeping her out of foul trouble, making sure that they're able to contest everything, play her in the crowd when she does when she, when she does get on the move and she is on a roll, just crowd her, make it tough, make it as make it as hard for her to make those passes as possible. And if she's trying to finish finishing over length, strength, and athleticism every single time out, if they're able to do that, I think they'll be able to bounce back and get a good win heading into the weekend. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, last thing before we talk about the upcoming schedule, which you alluded to, I mean, listen, word on the, these streets is that MVP is coming down to either Stewie or AT. Uh, that's a, the, a lot of the conspiracy theories on hashtag WNBA Twitter, especially since ah. Defensive Player of the Year got moved up. Um I know we shared actually haven't aired this yet on Black Rosie Media, but it will be coming. But uh, I guess about three episodes ago, after that long episode where he was out of pocket, uh, we also gave our picks. You picked Stewie. I picked AT. And then, of course, we had Misha that was on that show. And just you'll see it when we post it. But she picked Asia. So between the three of us, we had the top three candidates. But um, do you think it's Stewie's or uh, you think uh, AT uh, and the disrespect campaign or what was it? Float like a butterfly, sting like AT uh, is going to win out. <laughs> last, I um, luck, luckily I didn't tell people to bet the house this time because last time I did that, the pick I went with lost. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to give you a pick with a prop. So I went with Stewie. I think, I think, I feel like this is her year. And I think especially, I think, I think it's hard to say a, a team like the Liberty doesn't get enough credit, but they really built this. They, they built this bus on the fly with no margin for error. It's a bunch of new players, new roles, not, not healthy to start. Doing all of this, and Brianna Stewart was the one constant that tied everything together. And I think the fact that they 
they they they had a they had a very good first half and an incredible second half. And I feel like you just saw you, you saw the team gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And she's been the one driving force from beginning to end. At the beginning, it was just Stewie doing all the heavy lifting. Then B picked it up in like June-ish. Then after J- July, UNESCO picked it up and then JJ, then Sloot. So, but she's been the one tie that that brings everything together. It makes every part of the Liberty go. So I think this, if, if, if she is the MVP, I think it's a welcome accomplishment and a well-deserved one. And I think especially, for a player who I think this is her first MVP since the Achilles tear, as it happens. I think, I think that it sounds might be. that sounds right. She's definitely in the race in the running. I mean, her and Asia have been neck and neck for the last few years. I do mm-hmm. think Asia Wilson obviously top three candidate for me though it was at and here's why i like Alyssa thomas she's been in mvp conversations for me like i said just like connecticut has been in the the semifinals finals conversation at has been in the mvp conversation for me for several years and the fact that she's doing what she's always done and like having record numbers while mm-hmm. doing the same exact thing that she's always done. You talk about, uh, you know, the New York Liberty goes as Stewie goes. Yes. And I agree with you also that some of the other people, it, it was like a stagger, right, effect for the New York Liberty. And we've talked about why. Because this is a brand new team. And it had to be Stewie's team for a while. We've also talked about how I think eventually it will be Sabrina's team. I even predicted, my, one of my bold predictions, right, was that if, if it's going to be Sab's team in the future, she needs to show glimpses of that now. And uh, ain't no better series than in the semifinal series, okay? With Connecticut already getting game one. But putting that to the side, listen, um, Asia Wilson, and, you know, I, I, I showed my ballot. My ballot was A.T. Stewie and Asia Wilson. And people want to, like, you know, drop all these memes and, you know, gifts and stuff to just without having a conversation. Here's my reasoning. I just said what I said about AT with you saying what you said about Stewie. I agree. And Stewie didn't have to carry the burden because what after all-star and we talked about it, even Mm -hmm. in the Washington series, technically Mm -hmm. the Washington series doesn't count because we had already submitted our ballots. But just as an example, there have been times where Stewie wasn't putting up a 40 piece, but what happens, what happens to Connecticut? Over the last several years, and yes, I did add in pieces of what happened over the last few years because I think it all is cumulative. What happens when AT doesn't hit at minimum a double double? What happens to Connecticut? Mm-hmm. Flat, yeah, that's true. They're flat, they're absolutely flat. What happens if Asia Wilson only scores nine points against the New York Liberty? I mean, granted, they lost that game, so that maybe that's not the best example. But my point is, the other two teams obviously, with their records, survive and can even thrive. Most valuable, I always do this every year, valuable, most valuable player. And for me, this year, and honestly, in years past, AT should have gotten more a part of the conversation for this year to me it was undeniable am mm-hmm. i mad if anyone else gets it absolutely not it's the same way that i felt about coach of the year i think defensive player of the year could have been more of a conversation than people really wanted um but you know we we, we might get to that at some point <laughs> um but I mean, that's just me. It's AT for me, for sure, for sure. But I guess we'll find out. 
I guess we'll find out. We know the streets, the Twitter streets, or the X streets, whatever you want to say, are definitely uh, blazing hot with yes. all these takes right now, including uh, that players should vote on MVP. I love, I love it. And also, I love that players are like, I'm uh, like, LOL, that y'all think this is going to fix the quote unquote bias. Erica, Listen, folks, can I <laughs> go for I, it? I, I want to jump in there quick, fast. So, all right. So, if, if we're doing the players should vote, I'm thinking back because I was thinking about that in my head on the way home from work tonight. And the, the Athletic did a poll of players about a, maybe like a month or so ago, maybe like a month or two. Oh, and asked who the yeah. best player in the league is. Yep. And it was number one with 50, I think with 53% of vote, Brianna Stewart. Asia Wilson second at 31. So if we're going to do the players should have the vote and the players polled said that Brianna Stewart was the best player in the league this year. <laughs> Hello. We Hello. Yeah, we we're, we're, don't we're get not, mad when it's not yeah. Asia. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah so don't do that. Another, yeah, another thing people are saying is like, um, and I don't remember exactly how it went down, but people talking about the voting, like how Candace Parker won Defensive Player of the Year in a year that she didn't make defensive all all team defensive first or second team. And here's oh. my thing, like I love that people are mentioning that, but probably not for the reason that people think. Check my record. I, to this day, do not believe Candace Parker should have been the best defensive player in that season and arguably in any of the seasons that she's played. Has she improved defensively? Sure. Do I think she is an elite defender? Heck no. And I mean, absolutely not. Do I think she's an elite defender? And the fact that she said in that year, I want to win defensive player of the year. Listen, everybody got goals, right? You know what I'm saying? I want to be on real time, real sports, HBO. Not going to happen unless I get it in real quick. That's not going to happen. You know, so it's not, it's not a problem having goals, but the issue is like, it's just wild to me how someone can win defensive player of the year whilst also not making first or second team all defense. Like that's just wild to me. So I, I do agree. And defense, I, I think LaChina Robinson did a great job breaking this down because even the advanced metrics for defense, and I talk about this in hockey all the time, it's hard if you're not really locked in to even what's happening away from the ball because defense, a lot of the times in its, in its, at its core, is what you do what you erase the other team from doing. How do you quantify that? How do you quantify that consistently? You know, you have to be locked in. You have to be looking at defensive matchups and pairings. You have to be looking, as LaChina said, um, for a player that other people know they have to game plan and scheme their offense differently because this is going to be a defensive threat. So anyway, we might have to do this in the off season, Brian, because Obviously, I have some thoughts, but when it comes to MVP, I I think people are going to be mad and in their feels. And you know what? That's okay. It, it happens every year. Um, what is also true, and it's the same way I feel about Coach of the Year, this was a historic year. <laughs> it was, we saw performances that were like, out of this world, like what a treat, what a delight. 
And if it's going to be like this every year, well, good luck, you know, blessings, because we're always going to have this issue. We're always going to have this issue. Last thought on this, and I am a part of the Professional Basketball Writers Association. I'm also the co-chair of the Women's Hockey Chapter of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. And on the Professional Hockey Writers Association side, if you get a vote, you agree to have your tally disclosed by the association once all the the awards are announced. And I think instead of all this back and forth arguing, what I do see people ask is, who are these 60 voters? I think that's a good question. And how are these 60 voters voting? I think that's also a good question. Listen, Mm. if I put my stuff out there and people don't like it, that's one thing. But the, the reason that we do that, and I've had real conversations about this as we're growing the women's hockey chapter is because it keeps people accountable. Mm-hmm. And I do think that from a media perspective, there is accountability that we absolutely need. It's the same reason that we've talked about black women not getting enough media coverage or biased media coverage. It's the same way. Mm-hmm. Like that's how we got Misha on board. When we talk about um, even queer identities and, you know, more, um, quote unquote, masculine or feminine leaning. And and even when we do talk about black women, do we talk about more feminine leaning basketball players, whether they're queer or not, you know, all of these things. And so I think that's a conversation that we definitely should have. And I, for one, as someone who, well, I have to pay my, I have to pay my dues for the upcoming year, but as a card carrying member and a dues paying member of the professional, uh, Basketball Writers Association, I am totally down for those of us, myself included, who have a vote for having the transparency and the respect enough to once the votes and all awards are given that our votes go public. And I absolutely would be down for that. And I think that's maybe where the conversation should reasonably go before we start making all these other changes, but is to really call for more transparency in our sports. So I'm down for that. But Brian... Like you mentioned, we got some games. Mm-hmm. We got some games coming up. Um, you know, we got uh, we 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 got um, the New York Liberty obviously taking on the Connecticut Sun. We didn't even get to Dallas and Vegas. Vegas does have you know a, a, a one game lead there. Um, I still think there's some potential for that that to be um, a good series. Uh, we're talking the the night before. Uh, we're recording, I should say, on Monday, Tuesday, tomorrow, September 26th. Uh, the games are at 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern time, and then they they go again on Friday. So we know yep. that this schedule has been very different. Um, some people like it, some people don't, but either way, it is what it is. So, you know, we played the other day. Now they've got a few days in between. So this is going to be at Barclays before then they go up to Uncasville, uh, you know, and the New York Liberty are technically on the road, but you know, also Connecticut, not that far. It's a bus ride away. So they could technically come home and sleep in their beds, but um, we got to get up a podcast for New York Liberty fans. We'll make sure to recap game two and get you ready for game three. So stick with us, but Brian, anything you got in the works uh, or something that you just put out that you want folks to know about? Uh, I did a, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I did a story about the Liberty defense a while back on the local W um, about how they've really been able to get it going. So there's that. Also, I'm thinking of doing a little field trip to Uncasville this weekend so I can be 
on site. I've never been to I've never been to Uncasville, but I've heard unique Let's stories. Go. So I want to Oh yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting one. It's a nice little road trip. So I'm sure yes. that, you, that you won't be the only one from the New York Liberty Media Corps making that trip. Uh, again, I'm on the West Coast, so I won't be out there, but I will be, uh, you know, celebrating. <laughs> you and me must never part yeah. um, from yeah. far away. <laughs> but thank you, as always, for listening to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. Make sure you uh, also check out some of the other work that's happening. We'll make sure over at Black Rosie Media to share that. But for Bl Brian Florentin, I'm Erica L. Ayala coming to you live from Climate Pledge Arena. And uh, we will catch you after game two. Peace out, everybody.